Well, good morning. Uh, wasn't that a cute little baby on there? I told first service, I just wanted to squeeze that one, man. He had some good chunk to him. Well, my name is Jake, and I'm the student pastor here at Journey. I have the privilege of sharing with you a message uh, for Mother's Day this morning. <clears throat> uh, first service, I went a little long, so I'm just going to let you know. They gave me 10 minutes, and, uh, and I, I defined the word around 10 minutes pretty loosely. But we're going to move forward. We're going to move fast, and I want you to, uh, to pay attention. I think there's a lot of truth in today's message. And uh, I told First Service that I'm predominantly, but not exclusively, speaking to women this morning. And since their brains do process information twice the speed of a man's, then you guys should be okay. You should be able to keep up with me. And so uh, what I like to do is I like to take a little passage of Scripture and just work through the wording and and pull out a few truths. So we're going to do that this morning. Before we begin, if you'll just uh, have a short prayer with me. Father God, I just thank you for... Uh, for the fact that you are with us, God, in this place. I thank you for mothers and women all the way around, God, that you work uh, miracles through them, God. And uh, I just ask that during this time, your Holy Spirit will use your word uh, to apply truths to the, to the hearts of these people with us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the, uh, the title of this sermon is The Continuation of Godliness, Mother's Day Edition. And the premise of the sermon, the, uh, the point of it, is that God values your faithfulness over your accomplishments. And so if, you, if there's a female sitting next to you guys, I want you to just look at them and say that right now. Say, God values your faithfulness over your accomplishment. Need I remind you, second service, it's okay to participate in the service. It's all right. You know, just throwing that out there. I know it's hard Sundays, you know, get up, it's okay. So, uh, yeah, it, men, if you say that to your wife every night before they go to bed, it will breathe life into them. Mothers have such high expectations, and a lot of times they feel like they don't meet those in a variety of ways. And God has this only expectation that you will give him yourself, and that is it. I'm telling you, man, it'll be good stuff for your marriage. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning. Verses 14 and 15, just a little note on Timothy. Timothy was a young guy. He was marveled at throughout the New Testament for how much he was able to do for the Lord at such a young age. He was uh, a confidant of Paul. Paul called Timothy to help him out with his ministry. And uh, the entire book of 2 Timothy revolves around Paul just being thankful for Timothy, encouraging Timothy. The first part of chapter 3 begins with a warning towards Timothy that days will get hard, they will get tough, but you remain firm in your faith. And we find this little snippet in chapter 2, verses 14, chapter 3, excuse me, 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. When I look at this text, I'm able to draw three truths out of it. We'll begin with number one, in that someone firmly believed before Timothy firmly believed. The text says, as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed. So someone had to firmly believe before Timothy firmly believed. And the Bible answers that question for us. If, you'll just, if you're in a paper Bible, you flip that page one time to chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, verse 5. I'm going to flip mine. It says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. We find out a little bit about Timothy throughout the Bible. We can piece things together. The first time we see Timothy is in Acts chapter 16, verse 1. 
Paul calls Timothy to help him out with the ministry, and there's an important nugget of information about Timothy's life that is found there. Scripture reads, Acts 16:1, that Timothy's mother was a believer and a Jew, but his father was a Greek. In other words, his mother was a believer and follower of Christ, and his father was not. And so many of you this morning, many people in our churches, in our culture, find themselves in the same situation, and I just want to speak into that, that this is a proof text of Timothy's life, that if you have an unbelieving or unmotivated husband at home, and you are attempting to pursue the Lord mightily in your life, that there is hope for you. And that Timothy, many of our leaders in the Bible, we see a strong male influence and father influence. We don't see that mentioned anywhere else in Scripture in Timothy's life. Good reason to believe that his father remained an unbeliever, but his mother was diligent. She was faithful, and it produced something special in Timothy's life. Proof text for all mothers as well when we consider Timothy and his godliness in regards to his mother's godliness is that the way that we walk with God as mothers, what we prioritize, our godliness has a profound impact on the people who we influence, namely our children. Namely our children. Before I move to point two, I just want to say uh, that we, we don't want to waste our motherhood. It's such a calling, such a heavy thing to be a mother. It's a wonderful thing. And God doesn't want us to waste our motherhood, but he wants us to understand that he values our faithfulness over our accomplishment. And there is a culture, there is an American dream out there that has spread to mothers as well, and it's all about accomplishment and the disappointment of not achieving that accomplishment. And that's not how God operates. That's not how he views your life. He just wants you and your faithfulness. Point two that we can draw out of this text. Your legacy will utterly depend on your early and often acquainting of your children with Scripture. We're going to look at verse 15 again. We'll start with 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, that is the Bible, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus, through faith in Christ Jesus. I remember vividly uh, my mother growing up. My mother was, I was a product of a household like that. Unbelieving spouse. Well, mom didn't have a spouse for a while. When she did have one, he was unbelieving. And mother had a whole lot of issues. She still does, okay? She'll be all right with me saying that. But his strength was made perfect in her weakness. You guys ever have a curfew in high school? Yeah, most of you did. I hope so. I hope you did. It's okay if you didn't. There's grace for that. But I did. Uh, and it started at like, you know, ninth grade. You got to be home at 10, 11th grade, maybe 11, and then into your senior year and beyond. It's like midnight, you know. It's pretty, pretty lax at that point. And uh, I can remember staying out past curfew to about 1230, you know. Didn't tell mom. Didn't want to tell mom. Knew what would happen if I did tell mom. And so I always got this bright idea. You know what? I'm already 30 minutes late. Let me just wait till about 3 a.m., 4 a.m. I'm like, can I outlast her? She's going to fall asleep. I'm going to be able to slip in unnoticed. And in the morning, I'm just going to say, you're so sleepy, mom. I was home by about midnight, you know. Like, you just fell asleep. Lo and behold, every single time when I would creep in at about 3 or 4 a.m., she'd be sitting on the couch wide awake. She didn't even look sleepy. She was waiting for me, and she 
had that passion, man, and that vigor, and not the good kind towards me. She was ready to approach me each and every time. It's funny the things you remember about your mother. But I remember something distinct about my mother in that every morning she would wake up, about 5.30 she would wake up, and she would sit at the kitchen table and she would read her Bible. And I'd catch her. I'd go in to get something to eat or drink about 5.30 and she'd be there. Sometimes when I woke up at about 7.30 she was still there. She already had two hours in her of Bible reading, but she was there each and every morning. As a matter of fact, even on the mornings when I crept in at 4 a.m., she was up reading that Bible. And mom has a fault. She enjoys uh, coffee more than she enjoys water even. She drinks more of it. So every morning she would, she would drink that coffee, and her Bible was so ugly because she was barely awake, and she was drinking her coffee and reading her Bible, and she'd just spill coffee all over her Bible. Every single page of it was stained with coffee. I remember this distinctly. She would have to go to the microwave and like rewarm that same coffee about seven times because she'd get lost in her scripture. Anybody do that? You just go and you hit the button, and you hit the button, and you keep making it hot. That's what mom would do. And I just want to tell you that we can see in Timothy's life, perhaps, that he's coming out of adolescence. He's a young man, but there was a period of time where Timothy was a a young teenager, and perhaps he didn't always make the best decisions. I work with teenagers. I've been working with teenagers for years now. I I was a teenager not too long ago, and teenagers make dumb decisions. You can chuckle about that because it's true. All teenagers make dumb decisions. Some more dumb than others, some more frequently than others. All teenagers make dumb decisions. And perhaps Timothy did. And let me tell you this. This is a proof text, again, that when we prioritize our godliness and our relationship with the Lord, that sometimes the results of that are not very visible. Perhaps you have teenage children at this time, or you have grown children at this time, and they are not following the Lord, even though you did. And I want to assure you that your faithfulness will have some sort of an impact on them. As a matter of fact, there's a good chance your faithfulness will have a profound impact on them moving forward. You just be patient. You just be patient and remain faithful. And this is what happened with my mother, man. I had a a period of time where I made some really dumb decisions. Really dumb decisions. But something about Eunice, that's Timothy's mother, stuck with him through those times. And when he reached a point where he was evolving into a man, where he was coming into manhood, he remained firm in the teaching that his mother had entrusted him with, in that Bible reading, that walk with God. And the same could be said about Jake with my mother. And before we won't move to point three, I just want to make this statement that every spiritual goal that you set for your life and for your family, mom, will miserably fall short of that goal if you do not love the Word of God. Every spiritual goal, spiritual goal, that you set for your own life and your family will fall miserably short if you do not love the Word of God. And then I'll throw this at you. Every spiritual goal, not money goal, not worldly success goal, every spiritual goal that you set for your life and your family will overachieve that goal if you fall madly in love with the Word of God and walk with Him faithfully each and every time. And it is true in my own mother's life. She had two boys, and we're both full-time pastors right now. My brother's getting his doctorate degree in seminary. I'm getting my master's degree in seminary. We both had ugly times as teenagers 
I mean ugly. Mine was uglier than his. We both had ugly times as teenagers. But something about that mama in her Bible at 5.30 in the morning stuck with both of us. Stuck with both of us. My last and final point, number three. The main point of motherhood is to model, teach, and thoroughly enjoy saving faith in Christ Jesus. Life exists to bring glory to God through your joyous embrace of redemption found only in his son Jesus, motherhood included. I want you to look at a a word that I think doesn't belong there in most people's definition of, uh, of, of life, of salvation, of the main point of motherhood, and that is the word enjoy. That's the word enjoy. We don't see that a whole lot, right? When we talk about salvation... We talk about our need for redemption and getting saved. Many times we skip over the joy. The culture in many ways has made it a mission to strip motherhood of its joy. Now, it's tried to strip motherhood of its purpose. I think it's failed up to this point in that. Many people still see the purpose in motherhood, but it has accomplished its task in a lot of ways in stripping motherhood of its joy. Let me throw this out there in that it's a very similar attack on Christianity as a whole is that the culture has made it a point to examine Christianity and find it, while worthwhile at times, but every time to be joyless and void of joy. Because you see, the foundation of our faith and our walk with Jesus, whether you're a mother or a father or neither, man, woman, child, is not foundation of your faith is not a decision or a change of mind. That's a big part of it, huge part, and it comes right after the foundation. And it is not a belief change. It is not, well, I did not believe in God, now I do believe in God. That's not the foundation of your faith. That comes shortly after. But the foundational aspect of your faith is that your affections and your joy and your love make a monumental shift from my selfish gain, my selfish ambition to Jesus and godliness, my joy and affections are cast upon him. Think about this if you don't believe me in your own spiritual journey. Think about the decisions that you made when you came to Christ. Prior to those decisions, what did you feel? You felt a newfound affection for godliness, for Jesus that was not present there before. There is joy in this, and so I submit to you, mothers of whatever type, this morning that we begin to restore, ask God to restore the joy of our salvation in Him. Many times, if we are a mother who has adult kids, I see there's some of you in here. They leave the house, and you're an empty nester. I want to I want to submit to you: continue to find joy in your life at the heart of your pursuit of God. There are many ways to do that. If you're a parent of a teenager, it's tough, right? They get a car, they leave the house, they come back at night. There's no way for you to know exactly where they are and what they were doing. You might think you got them tracked pretty good with electronics. They help a whole lot, but they don't do the entire job. It's a tough life for a parent of a teenager, for a mom of a teenager. I know that to be true. Let me tell you, there is joy in Christ. He is that satisfaction. And I pray that your teenager is able to see that in your life. Not just that you know who God is, not just that you're trying to follow him, but that there is a joyous embrace of what he has done and what he's continuing to do in your life. Mothers of toddlers, 
who never see the bottom of the laundry basket and who are changing poopy diapers. I told the first service, I'm giving you a prophetic word from God this morning. You will not see the bottom of that laundry basket anytime soon until those kids are out of diapers and going on and doing their own laundry. But as a dad of four little ones, six and under, I can sympathize with you that it's easy. There's a temptation to lose our joy in our motherhood. There's a temptation to lose our joy in what Christ has done and is continuing to do in our lives. And I don't want my children to just see me as believing in God and following God if it's in a miserable way. Because he has given me life, and there is joy found in that. And I submit to you mothers that that joy found in a life submitted to God like that is what is transformational for you and for your children that you leave, the legacy that you leave with them. And I also want to speak to those who do have the unbelieving or unmotivated spouse or perhaps single mothers in the room or perhaps mothers who cannot have children and have tried to have children, I want to submit this to you. You might think that you can't find much joy in the message that I'm giving you this morning. And this is going to be painful to hear, but I'm going to be honest. That child or that husband will not satisfy your need that you have. There is only one satisfier of that need, and it is in Jesus Christ alone. And I pray that you would find your joy and total satisfaction in him, because he will tell you your value. He will tell you your worth. He will show you how much you mean to the kingdom of God. And as I close, I'm going to close in a prayer for you women. And I just want to say, I want to echo the heart of God, I believe, when I say there is no way to put a measure on the value and the worth of a godly mother. And that's not just godly mothers of, uh, of physical children, but also of spiritual children. That God, calls us, God calls us to influence those around us. And I believe that the divine opportunity in the church that you serve in, even if you don't have physical children or if your physical children are grown, to have those spiritual children that you influence and, and adopt, in a sense. A mother on her knees and in her Bible has the opportunity to have a much greater influence than any politician, motivational speaker, or star athlete. A mother on her knees and in her Bible has the opportunity to have a much greater influence than any politician, motivational speaker, or star athlete. So I pray this over your life today is that will you know godliness for your own life like Timothy's mom, Eunice? And will your children be able to see that godliness in you like our proof, Timothy? Because your heavenly father values faithfulness over accomplishment. And he gives us this promise this morning that if we are faithful in little, that he will be faithful in much and your godliness will continue to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Amen? Let us pray. Father God, you are so good to us, God, and I pray that right now in this moment that your Holy Spirit would be present and that you would wrap your arms around each and every woman in this room, God, that you would let them know how valuable they are. God, the divine calling that you've placed on each of their lives to be a mother in, in whatever sense of the word that is that you've called them to, God, I believe that that call is present. I, I, I pray that they would live into that call, 
and understand that they have an immense opportunity to impact the kingdom of God in ways that really no one else can, God. And God, I pray that you would move on their hearts to find their joy and satisfaction in Christ alone this morning, God. God, you know what is best for us, God, and you know what motivates us, God, and I pray that you would just you would just move on the hearts of these individuals and let them know that each and every diaper changed or soccer game made or tough trial they have to face with teenage kids or the feeling of loneliness sometimes as an empty nester, God, I pray that you would let them know that there's still work for them to be done, that, that you're calling them to an immense purpose and that you're giving them everything that they need according to your riches in Christ Jesus. I pray that over these women this morning, God, encourage them with your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.